Hi everyone, I'm Yannicka Ritchie and this is Bricks to Bites, where we talk about the messy realities and extraordinary surprises that come with adopting modern technologies and daring to go digital. I'm really excited about my guest in this episode. Her name is Eileen Pastor and she is a special instructor working in Philadelphia. With the pandemic and schools closing, Eileen has had to rethink everything. She has looked to new technologies like Zoom and YouTube as she embraces tele-intervention to help her students continue to learn. It's not been an easy journey. It takes funny hats, buckets of toys, and gritty perseverance. Here's Eileen. I am a special instructor. I work with children from birth to five years old, and they have developmental disabilities. Um, Some of them have autism. Before the virus, I worked with them in their homes or at their schools. Before the virus, you saw clients, I think, always in person? Yes. That has to be a huge change. Tell me how it felt when you realized you couldn't see them in person anymore. Well, it was devastating because you become very involved with the client and the family and very committed to the client making progress. So when I wasn't able to see them anymore, that was very upsetting. I had to come up with different strategies of how to keep them engaged through the computer. And, and how were the families? Were they, were they also, I mean, they, I, I can only imagine. I mean, I'm just sitting here thinking, oh my gosh, that is just, it must've been devastating. Yes, a lot of the parents were upset. And what they said to me is that they were willing to try it. Some clients did not feel comfortable with it. Actually, the ne- some of the ones that did not feel comfortable with it actually never tried it. They just said, no, I don't want to do tele-intervention. And I would say the majority, if not all the parents that did try tele-intervention became very interested in it. And we continued working. Can you talk a little bit about what tele-intervention is and what it looks like and how it's different from how you used to do things? We used to work on a one-to-one in the school or in the home where I was the person in charge. I was working directly with the child and some parents observed, some teachers observed, but most of them walked out of the room. Whereas with tele-intervention, the parent then becomes, you could say the coach E, And I coach them how to implement the strategies that I have been working on. When I first started with tele-intervention, I um, emailed, because I knew how to email, different worksheets. And the parents then would print out the worksheets if they had a printer, some didn't, so that didn't work, and would cut out the pictures and work with me. With some of the kids, as soon as they saw the worksheet, they ripped it up, they threw it. They had 
no interest in it. So I had to change my way of intervening with them because they had no interest in looking at me or talking to me. Can you just back me up a little bit? You talk about tele-intervention. That's a clearly defined construct for you. What is tele-intervention? What makes it possible? What is it exactly? Different instructors work differently. Like some drive to their houses and drop off lessons and then um, video what they did on the, the worksheets. I do that with some, but I also do direct where I then take what they did and I try to have the kid talk about it. When you say tele-intervention, that means it's somehow enabled by only Zoom or do you include, let's say, phone in that as well? What I have found was that, for example, if they were interested in a certain song, I would put it on YouTube, but they couldn't hear it. So then I ended up getting my speaker and I put the YouTube video on my speaker. But what I now learned, because I'm progressing in my own ability to use technology, I can now share the screen with the client and put the YouTube video on their screen. But I had to learn how to do that. I I knew none of this in the beginning. So tell me a little bit about your experience of having to make this transition. You mentioned that you didn't know how to use the technologies you're still learning. Tell me a little bit about how that felt when you started. It's March and all of a sudden you discover the way you were doing things can't work anymore. What, what prompted you to look to tele-intervention? And just tell me a little bit about how that felt when you had to start this new journey. I was devastated and I was scared. And in order to do Zoom, I went to my son who taught me how to do Zoom, but I was so nervous that I had him take pictures of each step and number them for me. And he put them in a document of some sort for you? He put them in a book for me. So when I called a parent, first I had to find out their method that they wanted to use tele-intervention, whether it was Facebook, no, FaceTime or Facebook Messenger. Everyone had a different way of doing it. So I had to learn all the different techniques. So I made a book of them. Oh, really a book? And so you've got Zoom and you have FaceTime and Messenger, you said? Right, and when they would tell me, I would, what they wanted to do, I would put it in my calendar so I knew the way to communicate with them. And then I had to also find out whether it was their phone number, whether it was their email, and everybody did it differently. And many times the parents didn't know what they were doing. Really? You mentioned earlier that there were some parents who just said, this is not happening. I'm not doing it by it meaning tele-intervention. And did you get a sense that that was the, because they were uncomfortable with the modern technologies that you were looking to 
used to facilitate this new way of, of interacting? No, actually, oh. they said to me that they did not feel that their ch child would interact with me. But oh. they didn't know I had crazy hats and toys that made sounds and blinked. They didn't know my style. I was developing my style at the time. Sure. Have you convinced them to come back or are you just wait when they're ready and they'll let you know? Do they know how amazing you are, I guess is what I'm saying? And, oh. and that you've moved to these hats and how you're really taking this platform and running with it. You've told me some really exciting developments that you're adding into your practice in terms of having a broader set of tools available, toys, tools available to you to immediately respond to the needs of the child. You can now help eight people a day instead of six and probably with the less driving, less healthier and better for you. And you're finding new ways of interacting. I mean, it's, it's remarkable. They, they need to hear about you. The, I think the parents are scared. If you ask them what they're scared of, what do you think they might say? They don't feel their child will interact with me. But I have to tell you that as I have gone on in doing this type of therapy, I've also gained confidence. For example, it's really difficult to work with an autistic child through the computer. I did research on different apps and many kids on the spectrum are interested in sensory, lights, sound. So what I do now, let's say I present a command or I say, can you jump on the trampoline one time, two time, and I ask them to do something and then they're done and they don't wanna do anything I say. I then go to different sensory apps of lights blinking and wild colors flashing and music and they stop and they look and I can bring them back to me. And then when I have their attention, I can then say, okay, good job. Let's try this now. Okay. At some point when we were speaking earlier, you mentioned that there were some challenges and that it was hard in terms of learning these new things. And yet you're also seeing some kind of surprising triumphs in it. Absolutely. And I have to tell you my latest triumph, which is really exciting for me. Parents are now involved with me in brainstorming. So it's now a joint action. As a parent, you know your child better than me. So you can help me figure out what works for them. And they feel more in charge because of that. But I wanna tell you my greatest accomplishment I was working with a parent and we were brainstorming together. Here I am talking to the parent and moving my hands. And do you know what the child was doing? No. Doing the same thing as me. Wow. Like a mirroring. Right. So he was mirroring me. And I said to the parent, your child is a visual movement learner. We are going to work totally differently. And I figured that out by being more objective and just observing the situation. So my whole strategy of how I'm going to work with this child is totally different 
because I observed it while he was with his mom. How are you feeling about these modern technologies that you were af afraid of, let's say, not even six months ago? I feel I have learned so much and I am so much better as a therapist because of them. I just know so many different ways to intervene and my techniques are getting better and better. And I could probably use these techniques as well on a one-to-one. -one. I think that's one of the opportunities that is emerging out of this experience that we're all in together. By no means do we lose in-person. In-person interactions are rich and so valuable. They also are really expensive in terms of time and energy. And I, my hope is that there are things that we learn that we end up looking at hybrid solutions that actually are richer than only one versus only the other. Can you talk a little bit about your own strategies for overcoming your fear and also some of the gaps, I guess, in your, in your knowledge of how, what's available and, and how to use it? Well, the best thing that I did for me to alleviate my fear, because even though I practiced it, my son would go in another room and I would Zoom with him and I would pretend it was a parent or I used FaceTime or whatever and I would get nervous. What helped me the most was having a book in which I had the visual picture of the step. So the book is what really helped me. Did you annotate the book? You mentioned your son made you a book. We made it okay. together, yes. Okay. Mm -hmm. All right. So you made your own how-to guide. Yes. And the other thing that my son and I have done is, for example, sometimes people don't want to share the technology aspect of what they're doing. So I had to, and my son helped me, spend hours on figuring out how they achieved what they did and I was willing to dedicate the hours to figuring it out and trying it, knowing that it would help me with my clients. So you have to be willing to give the time to learn and fail. Yes, and so how did you, you just mentioned that you didn't like failure. So how did you manage that understanding and ac accepting that you have to fail and yet knowing you don't like to fail? it gave me the energy to find another solution. I do that with my teaching too. I'm not very good at accepting that a child can't learn. I always feel that there are techniques and ways. And um, when I was in the classroom, I used to come up with all these different crazy ideas and my students would sometimes shake their head, uh -uh, and I'd rip it up and throw it into the air. Right. <laughs> and then, because they thought it was crazy, but then I would come up with a good idea. So right. you have to be willing to fail and try again. The other thing that strikes me about your story and how you talk about moving through this is how important your son is in this, in this journey, in terms of having access to somebody who's perhaps got, if not more skill and experience, although he may, perhaps a different sort of fear threshold, maybe because he's not having to transform the lives of young children and help them to learn. I mean, there's a lot at stake for you in terms of wanting to learn these technologies. 
it's not telecocktail that you're trying to enable. You, you are, it's extraordinary. You, you're helping young children grow. He helped me to calm down, basically, yeah. and to encourage me that I could do it. He gave me the opportunity to practice with him. And through practice, I became more confident. And when I would get something wrong, I would write it down and do it again, practicing with him. And my son is a very calming soul. He helped me to remain calm. How are you feeling about your tele-intervention journey? I feel like my brain is exploding. I just have so many new ideas and it's just so exciting. And here's another thing that is real fun. I have discovered humor with my students. They laugh at me. They might say I'm silly. So there's more of a interchange in communication with some of the things that I do. It keeps them engaged. And I see their sense of humor, which not everybody can see. I see it differently because I can bring so much more into the picture. And it could change lives. That feels like a really good reason to overcome fear. Thanks for listening to this episode of Bricks to Bytes. If you love it and want to hear more, please subscribe on iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Know someone who's daring to go digital and has an interesting story to tell, or you just want to start a conversation with me, please visit orangegate.ca and get in touch. I'd love to hear from you. I'm Yannicka Ritchie. Thanks for joining me. And until next time, stay well and go digital.